0: It is Friday. Let's get ready for the weekend, right? I actually slipped up the first time I recorded that, so <laughs> that little tongue twister I had to redo a couple times. couple notes I want to get out of the way before we really get into the episode. I made a mistake yesterday. I said that it was good for Shohei Otani to stay with the Angels and it would be cool to see them start buying. That was a lie. I realized that after a doubleheader with my Detroit Tigers, where he threw a complete game, giving up one hit in game one that we got blown out in, and then in game two decided to hit not one, but two home runs in another game we got blown out in. I don't like it anymore, and it's not fun. It's only fun when he beats other teams, and that hurt my feelings. Um, second note, um, I am recording while a thunderstorm is happening. So if you hear anything cool, um, I'm trying to keep it as quiet as possible, but there are no guarantees that a big, uh, loud rumble could happen at any time. So keep your ears out for that. See if you can find that if it happens at all during the episode. With that being said, let's get into the episode today. We have a couple scary injuries in NFL training camp that I need to talk to you about. Those we're going to be starting with first. If you did not see it, yesterday all over ESPN, Joe Burrow, the Bengals' superstar quarterback, was carted off the field yesterday with a calf injury. Now, that could be a lot worse than ACL, MCL, Achilles. Anytime it's a non-contact leg injury, people get scared. You heard me a couple days ago talking about how I almost peed my pants when I heard C.J. Gardner-Johnson got hurt. This is probably even worse for Bengals fans. I mean, think of it. They've pretty much been a miserable franchise the last 30 years until Burrow came here. Now that he's here, they're Super Bowl contenders. You cannot lose Joe Burrow. Anybody else on the team, and you can still at least compete for the playoffs. If Joe Burrow is out for the season, your season is already over. And that is a fact. So hopefully he is okay. He's one of the best young stars in football. I will admit, like, he's one of the most attractive quarterbacks in the league, too. So the, the league would be missing out on a lot of sexiness if Burrow is not there and a lot of swagger. And that's something that you need in the league. So personally, for me, I think that it's a good thing that Burrow is okay with a calf injury. He might miss some time during practice. Hopefully they're not rushing back for the preseason. You don't want him to get hurt. He's one of the best players in football right now. And again, football is better when the best players are playing. So hopefully he can recover and he will be healthy. Another surgery is taking place for the Dolphins' corner, Jalen Ramsey. He is going to be undergoing a knee surgery. Some people believe he will be missing up to the first six weeks of the NFL season. That is a huge loss for the Finns who desperately need secondary help after their defense was one of the worst last year. I don't necessarily know what they're going to be doing now because they gave up draft capital for Ramsey and they gave him a ton of money in an extension. So this really hurts them. I don't necessarily see this as something that the the Dolphins are going to be needing like Burrow. I think the Burrow injury was worse because again, let's say both players were done for the year. The Dolphins made the playoffs last year. with one of the worst secondaries in football. As long as Tua stays healthy, they could probably even win a playoff game for, for the Bengals. You lose your quarterback. Season's over. Can't even debate that. So keep an eye on Jalen Ramsey now that he's undergoing a knee surgery. And again, Leg surgery, sometimes they can say a guy is going to be out six weeks, but it depends on how much they trust cutting on that knee, May you know, running routes, playing defense, running backwards on the knee. If they don't trust it, he's not going to be able to play. So again, we need to see what he necessarily is feeling. And I honestly, I could see him out maybe seven, eight weeks if he's not, you know, if that knee doesn't feel stable yet to run on. So those are two injuries we're going to need to keep an eye on as the season goes. We're very close to the preseason. Again, most big stars like that are not going to be playing preseason snaps, but it's something that we want to keep an eye on because, again, it could affect how the early regular season starts. I recently saw a list from ESPN about 10 players and coaches that had the most pressure next year. One of those players that I thought deserved to be on the list but wasn't was actually Dak Prescott. Prescott had a very rough season that started with injury and finished with him being a turnover machine. Now, what does it really mean for his upcoming season? I think there's a lot of pressure and I think there's a lot of concern. He's already addressed a lot of things talking about how bad his season was last year. To really break that down, let's look at how his season went. He missed the first five games of the year, which means he really kind of missed the first quarter despite missing that. And despite throwing the least amount of passes in a season outside of his broken ankle year where he only played five, Dak Prescott threw more interceptions in this shortened year for him than he has in any other year of his entire career. Yes, including entire full seasons. So... This was not a good year for Dak Prescott, where he had 15 interceptions. That kind of sounds like rookie quarterback numbers when it comes to turnovers. Now, personally, I think part of it was some struggles with decision-making, but I also think that there's something about the Cowboys that I would fix if I were them. To start things off, I think that one of the big issues is that the Dallas Cowboys offense is much more of a pass-happy attack. Under Mike McCarthy in the recent years, the Cowboys have switched how their offense works compared to what they were were with Jason Garrett early into Dak Prescott's career. What do I mean by that? Here's a perfect example. The first season Dak Prescott was under center for the Cowboys was 2016. That was also the year they had the dynamic duo with him and Ezekiel Elliott, who was a league-leading rusher. Dak Prescott is a mobile guy. He can throw on the run. He's not necessarily a dual threat, but he can escape the pocket and run when he needs to. The interesting thing about it, though, is that he played much better. He played cleaner football, and he played better football when he has a better run game. When he's this pass-happy quarterback, yes, he can put up stats for it, but is it really what helps him win? He's almost having a 5,000-yard passing season, but again, When the Cowboys went to the divisional round, when they had the one seed in the playoffs, when they've won playoff games, it was when they had a dynamic run game to go with it. Ezekiel Elliott was not a dynamic run game last year, and I do wonder if Tony Pollard can truly be this, quote, bell cow running back that some people think he will be. He was a really good feature back to flip things up, and he could catch, and he could run, and he was very explosive. But is he going to be enough? to really get them over the hump when there were running backs available like dalvin cook who actually is still available and yet for a while the titans were offering derrick henry i really thought that that was something that the the cowboys should heavily consider get a guy that can get 20 touches a game on and get him the ball and establish a run game then set up some play action passing for dak prescott i think that would immediately cut down on the turnovers, get rid of this pass-happy attack where he's becoming a turnover machine. He can run, then you get a run game with your running backs. You'd have a very dominant run game with your offensive line. Don't pass the ball a million times if you don't have to. You could argue that a lot of the games that the Cowboys choked away throughout the year were ones where they decided to throw the ball, especially when they didn't need to. I can specifically remember a regular season game last year. They choked away to the Philadelphia, or not the Philadelphia Eagles, the Jacksonville Jaguars, sorry, where they had a safe lead and yet they kept passing the ball on third and short. They kept passing the ball when they didn't need to and turning it over and they blew that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So again, if Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott are going to be able to turn it around and get some pressure off of their shoulders this year, I definitely think they need to start working more on the run game. So yes, Dak Prescott has some to blame with the turnovers, but. He did miss five games and he still threw the ball 400 times, which means he has thrown it an absolute ton. So, cut down on the passing attempts, start the run game more. I think that is a fix for the Dallas Cowboys. Now I have a game for you today, and that is going to be the confusing world of conference realignment in college football specifically. Yes, there are teams moving all over the place. Rivalries are reborn, rivalries die. Conferences are confusing. We have super conferences, and then we have ones that I don't think I'd ever watch play again. So I'm gonna really try and fix and share with you how the realignment is going for all of these conferences and what it truly is meaning. To start things off, Uh, You might even hear me saying ones that we already know about. But, you know, for those sleeping under a rock, I really want you to kind of know what's happening. So when I say, like, isn't that crazy that USC and Ohio State, you know, went to overtime in the Big Ten Championship and people are like, what the hell are you talking about? What are you talking about? I will say, hey, well, they, they are in the Big Ten now. It is 2024, so they are playing for a Big Ten title. So speaking of that, with the Big Ten, Yes, in 2024, UCLA and USC will be joining the Big Ten, making it a total of 16 teams in the conference. Big Ten country now goes coast to coast as they have teams in California and they have teams in the East Coast with Maryland and Rutgers. This definitely makes the conference very popular when it comes to TV ratings because you will be able to get USC in New York now and you will be able to get Rutgers in Maryland in California. Doesn't seem like a fair trade-off there, if I'm being honest, but that is what the Big Ten's plan is. The Big 12 is going to be losing some teams when it comes to 2024, but they have already signed on to get four programs in 2023 in the upcoming season. So the 2023 teams that are joining include BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and University of Central Florida, UCF. So the Big 12 will actually play with 14 teams this upcoming season. Then, next year in 2024, Oklahoma and Texas will be leaving for the SEC, but Colorado will rejoin the conference. Then the league will be slated to have 13 teams, even though expansion is going to be a probability for the big or yes, the Big 12. So next year, it would be all those teams, BYU, Cincinnati, Colorado, Baylor, Houston, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, UCF, and West Virginia. Woo! That's a mouthful. So there's a lot shaking up in the Big 12. Personally, I understand that they are getting more teams in the up and coming years, even though they're losing Oklahoma and Texas. But an opinion piece here that is more of a fact Revenue-wise and eyeballs-wise, that conference is losing a lot of strength with their two big prizes of Texas and Oklahoma leaving. I mean, that is crippling for the Big 12. They're easily the two biggest programs and, and cash cows in that conference. And I'm sorry, but I'd rather have Texas and Oklahoma than any of the five schools they're trying to get here. So that is a big loss for the big 12 but we'll see they want to keep expanding after 2024 as for the pac-12 apparently everyone is giving them a swirly and stealing their teams while they're doing so uh ucla and usc like i said are leavings colorado's leaving for the big 12. ucla usc leaving for the big 10. so that leaves it with kind of just the Pac (laughs) nine um arizona arizona state Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, Utah, Washington, Washington State. Wow. So I will say just in recent history, Oregon, Stanford, Utah, and Washington have been decent uh, football programs, but Arizona, Arizona State, Washington State, and Cal and Oregon State have not been very well-known brands. And again, losing UCLA and USC are your two biggest cash cows. Immediately again, I think the Big 12 and the Pac-12, I don't really consider them a power conference anymore with losses like that. And unfortunately, unless they can somehow pluck another school, there's not enough on the West Coast for me to say that this is really a power conference anymore. The Pac-12 is crippled by these moves. Do I like it? No. Honestly, I liked it, the structure, how it was. I think super conferences are kind of crazy, but it looks right now like the Pac-12 is on life support. When it comes to the SEC, we've already talked that they are getting Oklahoma and getting Texas. <sighs> Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm losing my breath just talking about this. But they'll be bumping to 16 teams in 2024. So they'll play with their normal roster of 14. Now they will be 16. We already talked about those additions. For the ACC, Ooh, yes, the ACC. Or not the ACC, the AAC, sorry, the American Conference. Well, the American Conference got a ton of their teams plucked by the Big 12. That would include Houston, that would include UCF, and that would include Cincinnati. Now they're trying to add Charlotte, FAU, North Texas, Rice, UAP, and UTSA. So Conference USA, um, that is another one that's adding teams. Honestly, let's let's just pull the plug here. I've done the Power 5. I'm not doing these. It's there's just too much moving and it is ridiculous. So, when it comes to the power schools, yes, there are a lot of there's a lot of movement and I'll be honest, I think when it comes to a lot of the bigger schools that are leaving for power conferences, I'm mainly talking about Texas, Oklahoma, and UCLA USC. If I could change that with a with a Thanos snap, I would because I don't want this. I want other conferences to be powerful. The thing that makes football so good is every conference almost has their own flavor of it. What do I mean by that? Big 10 is tradition oriented. It's classic smash mouth football, running the ball, power football, cold weather, ugly games. It's what makes big 10 football so unique. SEC football. It's down South. It's some of the best talent you can find. Everyone's a hard hitting player. It just feels like they play so aggressive down there. When it comes to the big 12, Southern football down there, it's high-flying, action-oriented offense. Sometimes you can make fun of them from not even playing defense. I love the action, the speed that comes with Big 12 football. And then Pac-12 football, I love the craziness and the speed and the offense that usually comes with West Coast football in the nighttime for me. I'm out in Michigan, so obviously those are all uh, Pac-12 night games for me, but I absolutely love it, seeing those night games and seeing the speed and all the craziness that can come from offense games like that. ACC is its own thing with Coastal games as well. I see they're kind of like a mix between the Big Ten and the SEC sometimes. All of these conferences, if they fall apart, it's just kind of losing something that made the conferences special, which was kind of their own unique thing. Honestly, Texas and Oklahoma leave, the Big 12 can't recover from that. UCLA and USC leave, the Pac-12 won't recover from that. So whether it's a power three conferences with with Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12, who knows? Uh, SEC, bottom line, I'm, I'm confusing myself here. You're probably completely lost as a listener. Your brain's probably scrambled. I don't necessarily know what's going to happen with all of this realignment. It is very It can be fun to think of what teams will be playing each other, but it's also very, very confusing. From that being said, this will be the end of our episode today. Enjoy your weekend. I will see you on Monday. This is the end of Max Sports for the week. Adios.